This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. One of the ways you can listen to RPR is via our app. If you don't have it, head to the App Store on your phone and search for Real Presence Radio. Once you have it, you can listen to great daily programming like Real Presence Live. Find the daily podcast if you happen to miss a show. Reflect on the daily Mass readings. Submit a prayer request. And even become a part of this family if the Lord's calling you to donate. So take a moment and download our app as we prepare to head into our next interview. All righty. I'm uh, Deacon Dan Goshi. That's Father Daniel Weiske over there. Yes, sir. Don't duck down behind that. We we want to see you. <clears throat> anyway, we've got uh, uh, very soon. We'll have our next guest on. But it was uh, it was very enjoyable to have that uh, opportunity for the uh, the straight talk and uh, talk about Vatican II and and uh, um, tradition mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. things like that. Sure. And the way what, what I one one thing that I kind of recognize uh, about Vatican II and and is it not. Uh, pretty pretty historically common that after these kinds of councils take place, there is a period of misunderstanding and adjustment that oftentimes lasts fifty years <laughs> before people kind of refocus and say okay here's here 's what was intended or well, that could be I think they talk about decades or even century or more of receiving the council, but mm-hmm. the thing about this council. Uh, that differs from others, most of their councils, there was a crisis that was an explicit crisis Mm -hmm. that they were responding to. Mm -hmm. In this council, it was not an explicit crisis of the same kind. The Council of Trent was in the middle of the Reformation, Luther and these other um, figures Mm -hmm. um, turning away from, you know, the Catholic faith, and there was all the division and, and even the political conflict and violence that came out of that. So this was different. There wasn't the same crisis that demanded a council St. John the Twenty Third obviously felt prompted to hold it, mm-hmm. and there is um, a need, he thought, to communicate in a different way or pull the, the bishops together and to, um, you know, present the faith anew. But um, I think there were, yeah, decades and decades. It usually mm-hmm. takes, they say, to receive a council. I suppose, especially sure. in this case, sure. when the crisis wasn't uh, as clearly, clearly articulated. Yeah. yeah. Deacon Jim. Deacon Jim is with us. All right. Yeah, his mission to serve the church takes him far beyond the local community. And uh, Deacon Jim Cruzeter shares now how he has been able to minister to his brothers and sisters in Haiti and what has happened as a result. Good morning, Deacon Jim Cruzeter. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Excellent, excellent. Well, I I appreciate that you've taken some time to be with us on Real Presence Live. Yeah, no, no problem. I'm glad to do that. So, all right. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I've lived in the Brainerd area since 1959. I <clears throat> actually graduated from Brainerd High School and uh, St. John's University in Collegeville. <clears throat> My wife Reed and I have been married now for over um, <clears throat> almost 47 years. We have five children and 16 grandchildren, and uh, at the present time I work as a contractor in the Crosby. Um, Brainerd area. I was ordained as a Catholic deacon 14 years ago. I've uh, been serving the diocese in at the Immaculate Heart Church in Cross Lake and St. Emily's in Emily. And uh, I've been involved in this ministry to Haiti for about the past 30 years. So, so over those 30 years, uh, I heard you've been there maybe 10 to 12 times. Is that right? Oh, no. How many? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my last trip was my 75th trip. Your 75th trip. 75 yeah. trips in 30 years. 
Nice. Yeah, about twice a year on the average, sometimes more often as the need arises. So, So they keep welcoming you back. They haven't gotten to know you real well, have they? Yeah. (laughs) They know me pretty well. Oh. How did uh, how did Haiti come into the picture for you? I mean, I, I was thinking you were a deacon first and then started doing Haiti, but it's just the other way around. It was the other way around, right? Actually, yeah. it was, it was 1990, I was at a baseball game watching my son play, and I was sitting next to Dr. Paul Severson uh, from Crosby, who's a surgeon here in Crosby. He had started going to Haiti in 1989 to do medical work there. And as we talked to it, uh, watching the game, he asked me if I would accompany him on his next trip uh, because he said there are lots of building and construction issues that keep coming up down there, and he thought I could help. Uh, up until that time, I barely knew <laughs> where Haiti was. I mm-hmm. tell people all the time that I thought he said Tahiti. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said yes. <laughs> and I, so I went the first time, and and uh, fell in love with the place and, and knew that uh, that was where God was calling me to work. So uh, that was how it began. What, is it, what does it mean for you to be able to serve your brothers and sisters uh, in Christ in Haiti? You say you fell in love with the place. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, well, like, like I say, I just returned from Haiti a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, uh, over the 30 years of experience, each each trip that I would say has been just a great privilege for me. Um, all of my family and my children, uh, my wife Rita, have been there as well. So I can truly say it's kind of a family ministry as well. But it's, I, I think it's there that I learned to serve uh, from my experience, and that opened me to becoming a deacon. Um, as I encountered the poverty and people of Haiti, I learned the difference between service and simply helping and fixing them. Um, for me, the difference was, you know, I was used to helping people on fixing things, and, but I had that tendency to, to always look down on the people that I was taking care of. And, uh, what I learned is that in service, in service, in Christian service, I couldn't put myself above them, but I had to be beside them. And so uh, that really helped me uh, to, to uh, be able to care for them. I often remind people that I receive more than I give. I, I can truly state that I have met Christ in the poor, and uh, the joy and love of the people there has, has inspired me to give of myself and my time and my work and my resources to help make their life better. I've also met uh, Mother Teresa's nuns there, who have been a great example of, of Christian service and have been a great inspiration to me as well. Deacon Jim, can you say, you said it's important you learn not to look down on, but to be beside those you're, you're serving. Um, can you say more about right. that? What does that look like? Or what well, what did that look yeah, like in a... Uh, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, okay. The tendency for someone uh, who's there to fix problems is when we fix, when we look at people as if we're fixing them, we always look at them as lesser than ourselves. And... Uh, I found that was <clears throat> really challenging to not to not view the people because of their poverty uh, and their lack of education and, and all the other issues that are associated with that. But I w- certainly wasn't better than them. 
I just had the privilege of, of uh, living in a country where I didn't have to face those things. And so they began to remind me that, um, that I wasn't, that it wasn't so important what I did for them as what time I spent with them. And so I began to learn that it was, uh, it was more important for me to love them and care for them than to actually do things for them. And, um, so the example, of course, is, is to me is one, uh, of what Christ did for us. He didn't, he didn't come to fix us. <laughs> he came to serve us and to be a servant, uh, to all of us. And, uh, the place himself even lower, lower than us in a sense. And, uh, as I began to do that more effectively, um, as the Lord led me into that uh, role of service, I began to see a greater response from the people. And, uh, uh, you know, they grew, grew much closer to me um, in, in relationship. So that's the difference between service and just simply being there to fix their health. You know. Tell me, Deacon Jim, about the people of of Haiti. What is your uh, What are they like? What is What is your impression of them? What do they What do they leave you with as you as you depart and come back home? Well, you, everybody who I've taken down several hundred different people on various trips. Uh, sometimes I'll have a dozen people with me if we're doing a project and so on. But one of the things that they all uh, say in common, especially youth teams that I've taken down there, is that these people are more joyful than we are. Um, it, obviously, it's not the, the things that we have that bring us joy. Um, for these people, it's, it's a simple life. It's their relationship with Christ. It's their love for their spouse, their family. Uh, their love for the country. All these things bring them great joy, and yet they have so little. You never see a toy. The kids don't have toys. They make their own. Most of them don't have enough adequate food. Yet, if I go to their house, they would share their food with me before they would eat. There's that kind of love and service in these people. So it's been greatly inspiring to me. They're a, they're a beautiful people, and uh, you can't help but love them when you're with them. You're listening to Real Presence Live. I'm Deacon Dan Goshi. Father Daniel Weiske is uh, my co-host uh, this morning, and we've got Deacon Jim Kruzeter, uh talking about some of his... Uh, um, his work in Haiti. And uh, Deacon Jim, what what is it? I mean, you, you talked a little bit about they don't have much food, the children don't have toys, they, they kind of uh, make their own. Uh, what what else is it, what is it like down in, in, in Haiti as far as everything from the weather, the government, uh, the health issues, uh, what, what do you, what do you witness? Well, something has greatly improved over 30 years, but, um, when I first started there, of course, there were very few schools. Very few of the children were able to be in school in the rural areas. Uh, maybe only one one child per family uh, because the families couldn't afford to send children to school. Uh, there was lots of starvation. Over 50% of the children uh, were dying before the age of two years old. <clears throat> and in the early years when I was there, and that, that figure now is down to 10 to 15 percent, which is a great improvement. Mm-hmm. A lot of that has to do with clean water. Uh, there wasn't much, uh, uh, there were very few opportunities for people to have clean water. They had to drink out of the rivers of mud puddles or whatever, and all that stuff was highly contaminated. So there was lots of sickness, lots of diarrhea, uh, 
of medical issues that they died from that wouldn't have been an issue if they were back in the U.S. So uh, it was just very little opportunity for them. They, the unemployment rate is about 80%. So uh, it's a rural uh, kind of a farming uh, community down there where most of the people try to raise a garden uh, to feed themselves, but uh, it only works if the rain comes. And uh, if all the things work in their favor, then they, they can grow enough crops, to, enough vegetables and stuff for themselves, um, and maybe sell a few at market to take care of the things that they can't grow. So it's a pretty tough life for them all. Uh, the average wage in Haiti, or the average yearly income in Haiti when I first started there was only $50 a year uh, per family, which is uh, unbelievable for us. Um, even imagine uh, living on only 50 bucks a year. What specifically, Deacon Jim, do you do when you go to Haiti? Okay, well, I started out uh, in Haiti with um, uh, trying to do a bunch of the construction. There was uh, my first project in Haiti was to put bathrooms in the hospital. There was a small hospital in the community where we started working. But they had outdoor toilets for the patients, so my first job in Haiti was to install some actual bathrooms, toilets, and stuff uh, in the, in the town of Haiti. It was interesting after we left uh, on that trip. Um, they brought school kids over to over to the hospital to see what a flushing toilet looked like. Mm. Uh, that's how backwards it was. Wow! But um, so over over the years, uh, I've been develop a construction team of, of, of young men that we have built a number of schools which has enabled like hundreds of students to um, be able to afford to get into a, a school and get an education uh, we've done lots of medical facilities you know dental labs and stuff like that and built a, a built a big guest house so people could have a safe place to stay there we built a bank for the purpose of extending microloans uh, to people. And we've also done a shop and big office building for our uh, well team that uh, is down there. We actually have about three well rigs down there, and so we're drilling wells uh, uh, year-round down there as much as possible. We probably drilled over 2,000 wells um, there in the last 30 years, which has been a great um, advantage for the people. So if they have clean water, they they seem to do pretty well medically speaking. At least they don't um, deal with all the diarrhea and stuff that uh, is coming with bad water. So My last project area just finished was Catholic Church, and we built that in an area um, where people had to have mass outside. Uh, so uh, we went down there just a couple weeks ago to dedicate that church, and it was just a, a great, a great blessing and a great ceremony as well. Deacon Jim, at that mission where you built the church, I know there are, we'll say, different enterprises, different things that support the life of the mission and the people and that community. One of the things that impressed me visiting there once was um, how it's it's really working with each other. There's not this outside group that's providing everything, running everything, but that the the local people are really the ones that were called in and trained and and responsible for, you know, the the tilapia farm, right, and the the school, all the, the principal, the educators are, are locals that had been, been educated, trained, and are running the school, and um, even the wells, I think. 
But on that theme of working together and we'll, we'll say co-responsibility, could you say anything more about that? I think you're the one that was teaching me about that uh, originally. Uh, sure. In the way the wells uh, were maintained. Right. That's uh, that area you're talking about is called, called the small community of Kobanoff. And there's a Catholic faith community there that was started almost the same time as when I first started going to Haiti. There's Father Glenn Moe from, from uh, Louisiana um, committed himself to establishing a, a community, faith community in this area. So I call it the hope for Haiti. What he has done, what he has inspired in the people of there is is my greatest hope for the country because when that is duplicated over and over throughout the country, we see great things happen, and that's exactly what you say. People working together uh, in a faith community to better their lives, to, to pray together, to worship together, work together, to, they build they build homes. I think they built some 800 homes in that area, um, which is, and they build for whoever needs one, not necessarily those who are members of the faith community, but uh, they have a great outreach to the people there. They brought in uh, clean water. They're educating like 1,500 students uh, in their school, and uh, just, uh, just creating a, a, a great hope for the people there. Uh, they, they help them with food resources when they, when times are bad, and for those poorest, poorest of the poor, uh, they distribute uh, food to, to them as, as they need it, but not in such a way that diminishes them. Uh, if people participate, they bring a gift to the mission for the food that they receive, so that it maintains their dignity. In other words, they're not, they're not just getting something for nothing. They're actually participating in the work of the mission as best as best they can. So this helps a lot uh, for them to maintain uh, the dignity of the human person there, and uh, that's where my hope is for the whole country to be. And Deacon Jim, as we uh, wrap up our, our time together, if, if you had an opportunity, what uh, what kind of message would you like to leave with our Real Presence Live listeners this morning? Well, uh, I believe all of us are called to serve the poor. Uh, certainly the Gospel of Matthew indicates uh, this in his description of the final judgment. Uh, what you did for the least of my brothers, you did for me. So what is true is that not everyone is called to go to a foreign country to serve it. Uh, some are, and not everyone needs to go to Haiti. There are plenty of ways uh, for us to serve right in our own country and our own community. So. so I encourage our listeners to look around uh, for those opportunities to serve. Uh, we have soup kitchens, nursing homes, food shelves. Uh, or simply the person next door who's living alone and simply need a friend. They, these opportunities are there for everyone. As we pray for guidance, I believe God will reveal to us uh, the ways that he wants us to use um, use us to lessen the burdens of those around us. Uh, as, you know, I think it is a goal that uh, for every one of us, one day we want to hear those words of Scripture, well done, good and faithful servant. So, so right. I thank you for the privilege of, of sharing and uh, uh, this morning, and uh, I ask you um, to just let that message get out there to people, and God bless you for um, your ministry as well. 
And God bless you, Jim. Thank you very much, Deacon Jim, for being with us and for uh, representing Christ to the people of Haiti. Coming up next, find out who gets the donuts this week during Honor Our Fathers. And later, it's a group that offers much support and healing to those struggling with uh, past abortions. So we'll share what this group is and and how it has helped many hurting souls. So keep it right here. I'm Deacon Dan Goshi. We've got Father Daniel Weiske, and Real Presence Live continues on the other side of the break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.